Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast of Community Bible Church. Serving the Rogue Valley from Central Point, Oregon. We are a multi-generational family. Equipping believers to be adopted in, growing up, and reaching out through the gospel. Family, uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever overlooked an opportunity to serve someone because you doubted that God could use you to help him or her? Have you ever? I knew God wanted me to do that. I, 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 sh- I should have done it, but you didn't think you had the tools. You might have thought of yourself as too old. You might have thought of yourself as not financially equipped. You may have thought of yourself as, as not knowing the Bible well enough or not, not being and sharing their life experiences. Have you ever looked down and said, well, I'm not equipped to do that. I can't do that. Then you're a perfect person to enter into our study in Mark this morning. I've really grown to appreciate the presentation of the disciples because here's what I've learned that at the feet of Jesus, they still were spiritual clods. And when you and I keep relearning the same spiritual lessons, and when we open God's Word and we see Peter learning and relearning, we see James and John learning and relearning, we see Judas and Thomas learning and relearning, and they're at the feet of the Savior. They were, they were there at the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And over and over again, we find them learning and relearning life lessons that they should have known as they grew more spiritual, grew more holy in Jesus Christ. And, and I want you to come with me and join me this morning in, in Mark chapter 8. Uh, in Mark chapter 8, we're going to go through a, a number of these short healings or teachings of Jesus. We'll, we'll use the phrase vignette from time to time. And as we, as we look at them, we're going to call every time that we see a statement, see an idea, we're going to call them a choke point or a pinch point. Family, I don't, I don't know of you, but have you ever been in traffic and, and for some reason the, the lanes suddenly go from four lanes to three, from two lanes to one, and all of a sudden traffic just so completely backs up. That's a pinch point. And I think there's times when you and I spiritually come to those pinch points where one of us is relearning a life lesson, and it just all of a sudden backed up every one of us. As we saw what they were experiencing, we began to ask some of the same questions and struggled with the life experiences that that they, whoever they is, were experiencing. So I want you to notice five of these pinch points this morning as we look at the four vignettes that are in front of us. And I want you to notice, if you will, pinch point number one. Do you desire to join in God's plans? Do you really desire to join in God's plans? Join with me as we read the first five verses of Mark chapter 8. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered, they had nothing to eat 
He called his disciples to them and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. And family, you're, 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 very, you're very familiar with this vignette. As we see what we have read, we also recognize that Jesus began, and he took those seven loaves and had a word of prayer, told all of the people to sit down, and he began to distribute the bread through the work of the disciples. And yet, this is a wonderful passage, and I want to remind you, this is not the same feeding as we just have studied, and, and somehow they missed the point. The words are very pointed of how unique this is. First off, the idea of the very word remain. The people remained for three days. The word remained has some idea of drawn loyalty, uh, excitement to hear the message. And if you will, this gathering of Gentiles had never heard anything as exciting as anything that, that raised questions about the purpose of life and, and what life means quite like this. And they were so engaged in it that they couldn't stop and understand that hunger also influenced Jesus because he uses the word because. Because they had stayed with him for three days, he now began to be worried about their, their life needs. They're not going to be able to walk home in this, in this heat. They're not going to be able to take care of themselves. They're going to be too hungry and they're going to faint on the way home. And so we, we, we see this, this growing connection between Jesus and they. I also want you to know Jesus uses the word crowd. Crowd is a very unique word. It, it, it really is the idea of the unliked and in somewhat the, the despicable. And so we find this word crowd when he talks about the Gentiles. We find the word crowd when he talks about lepers. We find the word crowd when he talks about terrorists. If you will, zealots. He uses this word when he talks about the unseemly and the sinner. And so, family, we see a, a brand new connection that, that Jesus is being drawn to a group of people that are certainly not like him. And he becomes concerned for their care. He becomes concerned for their needs. And I want you to understand, he had a plan, I suspect, but the first thing Jesus does is he calls a committee meeting. And he brings all the disciples essentially together and says, hey, okay, guys, what should we do? So he lays before them the problem. If I send them away hungry, they will faint on the way. Now, I asked you a moment ago, do you ever have a time when you thought God wanted you to do something, but you thought of yourself as ill-equipped? The disciples are our, our valued partners in ministry. Notice how they answered. They simply said, how can one feed 
in this desolate place. We can't do anything about it. Send them away and take their chances. We, there's nothing we can do about it. They stayed here too long. It's their fault. Family, I, I, I want you to see, Jesus simply looks down and says, well, wait a second, how many loaves do you have? And he invites them in to the solution. Now, when our spiritual back is against the wall, don't come up with a defeatist attitude. What can we do about it? Look to Jesus and ask, what do you think we should do? You and me, Jesus. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus may not supply a miracle. At this point, we'll see in the next, in the next vignette, men who are frustrated and upset with how Jesus was behaving came in and asked for a sign. They asked for a miracle. Family, the, the disciples didn't ask Jesus for a miracle, and they have watched him feed 5,000. They've watched him as he cured paralysis, as he raised the dead, as he exercised demons. They were very comfortable with his miracles. They never said, hey, is there anything you can do? Can you do something miraculous and take care of it? They looked down and said, hey, we have seven loaves. They never asked him for a miracle, but they did join with the partnership of simply saying, let's see what God does when we are partnered with the Savior Jesus Christ. So I simply want you to understand the greatest privilege that we have is, is to come in and be a part of what God does, to be a part of what God does. Family, many of you are praying for your, your prodigal children. Many of you are praying for brothers and sisters who were raised in the church and walked away from the Lord. Many of you are praying for co-workers in Jesus Christ and you don't know what to do to help them. You don't know what words to say. You don't know what advice to give. You don't know what's appropriate. Please understand, you will never be a salesman or a saleswoman that will convince anybody to know and walk in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You will never improve someone else's spiritual life because of the abilities and the intelligence that you have. But when you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and rely on the Holy Spirit, things happen that are profoundly unique. Years ago, we had a man here at the church. He came from a background. He was, he was an elected elder, and all of a sudden we found out he had not been baptized. He was embarrassed. The church was embarrassed. We didn't know what to say. We just happened to have a baptism a week or two later, and a young man got baptized. The elder was listening to the testimony of the child, who was early teens, and he came out and said, wow, what he said made a lot of sense. Now, we as elders sat there and argued scripturally, theologically, for weeks and did nothing. But a teenage kid shared his testimony, and he said, I've got to get baptized. You see, You'll never be a salesman. You'll never do something that's so appropriate that, that you're going to have effort. But when you use yours, no matter how insignificant it is, 
And God's in it. God's sufficiency is what we rely on. Family, I want you to notice pinch point number two. Do you create obstacles in God's work in your life? I want you to look at the Pharisees. The Pharisees had seen a lot of the work of Jesus. They had been there at the healing of the paralytic man. And family, this, 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 this healing is profound as we remember it from the early stages in, in Mark. But friends tore off Peter's roof and, and dropped a paralyzed man down in, and Jesus looks up to the paralyzed man and says, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees are apoplectic. What do you mean you're forgiving his sins? He says, just so that you understand, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise, take up your bed and walk? Any of us can say your sins are forgiven. But Jesus looked down to those hardened spiritual men. And with all of the sarcasm I believe he could muster, he now turns and says, rise, take up your bed and walk. And those men walked out of the room angry instead of rejoicing. So I want you to hear, they're not satisfied with what Jesus is doing. So I want you to hear the antagonism as we see this second vignette. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Family, let's think for a moment. How many signs has Jesus already given them? How many signs has Jesus already given them? Has Jesus healed a paralytic man right in front of them? Uh, at least as the, the rumors spread of the variety of healings, exorcisms, healings of blindness, healings of, of death, Jairus, one of their very friends, the president, the leader of the synagogue, is bragging throughout the community, my daughter was dead. She's now alive. What more sign do they need of who Jesus Christ is? And they walk in and they, they parade and they say, well, wait a second, what sign do you give? Now, I want to suggest to you, if we understand context of Scripture... Jesus has just fed 4,000 Gentiles. The context of the last couple of weeks has been his ministry into the Gentile community. What they're ultimately asking is, what proof, what verification, what, what validation do we have spiritually from on God on high that what you're doing is blessed by God? Well, I would suggest that the healing and the feeding would have been more than, than ample proof. But they want something else. They want something else. They attack Jesus' actions for behaving the way he does towards Gentiles. They want him to validate his actions. You see, the sign that they were expecting was that Jesus was going to be this political hero 
who is going to vanquish the enemies of the Jews and raise up the Jews as a world-dominant power. Any other sign could be justification to dismiss him. So what do you think it is that blinds them? What's stopping them from really seeing what what and who Jesus Christ is? Is Jesus too unconventional? Um, is, Is their power and their prestige more important than the surrender to the king? Um, Are they not willing to believe God's works in that way? So family, let's let's put it in our own lives. Do we want to challenge the work of God by refusing to serve him if a ministry doesn't match our thinking process? If we've never done it that way before? Years ago, William Carey wished to go into ministry. And in the latter part of the 1700s, as he wanted to to take Christ into Southwest Asia, he implored pastor after pastor after pastor, please pray for us that we may take the gospel to Southwest Asia. And and I, I I love the statement of one of the pastors as he talked with him that day. He says, young man, sit down. You're an enthusiast. Now, please understand, if anybody's ever going to say, you're excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ, you just sit there and bask in it, okay? You're right, I am. You're an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you or me. Now, family, understand, doesn't, Matthew tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel? The attitude of a spiritual leader was much the same as the Pharisees. Do you and I ever use our, our, our life experiences? Do, do you and I ever use the, the reality that God doesn't work that way, so therefore? Years ago, Chuck Smith was inviting surfers and hippies into his church in the early 70s. And you know what they were getting saved? Come on in and listen to a church service. Oh, you have a ponytail? No problem. Come on in. You got weird, funky sideburns. See, you need to understand, sin was below your ear. All right? So if it went below the lobe, sin stayed above the lobe, not sin, all right? I am telling you what, I saw elders and deacons all across my church growing up. They were right there at the bottom. And those, those sideburns were hoping to grow. You have sideburns, come on in. Oh, you don't have a change of clothes? Come on in, no problem. You've been on the beach, come on in. And all of a sudden, men and women are discovering Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You older folk, did your church have any problem with all of those hippies finding Jesus? I want you to understand, there was a church in Elyria, Ohio that did. God doesn't work that way. You see, family, we never want to create obstacles 
If God's at work in your life and it seems to be a little abnormal, always be open to how God may be enacting life in a new, in a different, and a more vital expression than what your life experiences are going through right now. I want you to notice pinch point number three. Does the leaven of the Pharisees affect me? Now, let me set the stage for this vignette. The disciples have just heard the, the condemnation of the Pharisees. They've walked away. Jesus is now in the boat. They're heading back to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They're going to the city of Bethsaida. As they're traveling along the way, the, the, the men realize that they have forgotten to bring lunch along. They've forgotten to bring the leftovers of the bread. And Jesus is re reflecting on this argument that he just has had with the Pharisees. And he says, guys, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod. Herod has just killed John the Baptist. We saw that a few weeks ago. He says, I want you to be, be warned. Leaven is the influence of. Be careful. Watch out. Don't fall into the trap. And instead of hearing what Jesus says, all of a the sudden they're looking at the failure of their lunch. Oh, we, we forgot to bring bread. That's why he's bawling us out. They're not listening to the teaching and the instruction of Jesus. But I want you to understand, do we ever fail in list, to listen to the instruction of Jesus and we fall trap to the leaven of the Pharisees? What is it? Notice, if you will, the setup of this vignette, beginning in verse 15. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. They missed the point. Both the Pharisees and Herod based life that the kingdom of God really was an earthly kingdom. It based on, on earthly power and greatness and on the victories that could force a better life. They wanted humanity to do the work that only God could do. And I want to suggest to you, if we would take our Bibles this morning and come to Matthew chapter 23, Jesus gives woes to the Pharisees, and I think they lay out what really is this leaven that's a warning. And I want to suggest to you first in Matthew chapter 23, verse 3, human rules identify godly behavior. And one of the reasons that I've liked our church is we try not to put rules in your, in, in your lives. Please understand, though, there will be churches today that are, that are Thai churches. You don't, you're not really worshiping God if you're not dressed for the occasion. All right? Their formality, their demand on that formality is, is rigid enough that we don't see Jesus unless we're dressed for it. And then there's the other kind, all right? If you don't raise holy hands, you're not really spiritual. And so the church does everything that you would see in a football stadium. And that's the earmark of what real spirituality is. 
And we look down and we say that the outward performance, the, the, the look, the rules are, 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 are the engagement. And so we see first the Pharisees who had challenged Jesus. Well, wait a second, you don't wash your hands before you eat. You don't, you don't do what you're supposed to do. Human rules identify what real godliness is. Family, the, the, the second of the leaven is found in verse 8 of 23. Human authority is more important than God's Word. Matthew 23, verse 9, spiritual teachers have more authority than God. Family, if we took these last two, do you realize the fall of Christian leadership over the last two years, year and a half, as we see man and woman after man and woman after man and woman after man and woman that we've put on pedestals that have backed away from a commitment to the Word of God, and we gave them absolute confidence, absolute trust, and we considered their lives and the explanation of their understanding of God's Word to be the final authority. And I want to suggest just, just one who's still having an incredible power within many of my base. And when Ravi Zacharias defended God's Word as strongly as he did across the planet in some of the highest academic areas and arenas that we have, and then we find his life to have not stood up, what well, we had absolute confidence that, that what he was presenting to us was so strong that we held him in high honor more so than the message sometimes. Family, last is a rejection in personal humility. Matthew 23, 12. <clears throat> and once fallen, there's justification, there's reason, there's, there's everything but the hard reality that what I did was a sin before the Most High God. Notice, if you will, pinch point number four. Does the leaven of Herod affect me? And so we read the same verse. Watch out. Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Herod had tried to build up happiness through gaining of power and wealth and influence and prestige through political maneuvering and strategy. And so, family, I want to suggest to you some of the, 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 the struggles that leaven can be of a political reality within an evangelical church. And if you will, you believe that politics can restore spiritual vitality. And forgive me, how many times have we heard in church, oh, if we could only go back to the old days. If America could be just like America, it would be good and it would be right and it would be moral. Please listen. No, it wouldn't. When we put our hope and we put our trust in the political resources, we will never achieve the spiritual influence that we can. And so Jesus warns us. 
Notice, if you will, I want to suggest a second. You want spiritual change instead of maturing in Christ. Third, we use the Bible more as a political handbook to promote specific policies than as a tool for self-transformation. Family, Jesus Christ says, my kingdom is not of this world. And we have to remember that Jesus Christ stands ultimate, and his kingdom is the kingdom that we long for. Notice, if you will, pinch point number five. Do you spiritually see in stages? Now, I want you to put your thinking caps on more so here than anywhere. Do you seem to keep relearning lessons spiritually? So we're going to close here with a long healing, this vignette. And so join me in verse 22. We'll read through verse 26. And they came to Bethesda, or to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit in his eyes, he laid his hands on him. He asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees. Let me stop here for a minute. Please, do any of you have a, any, any creative thought in you? And aren't you chuckling here? I don't know how long he was blind, but how does he know what people look like? Better than that, how does he know what trees look like? How can he compare a people and a tree? How? He's blind. But apparently, Jesus did more in his curative powers than we're giving credit here. He began with the ability of identification as much as he did in the res restoration of sight. Let's follow along and keep going. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, don't even enter the village. And family, I just, I, I want to remind you this morning, I believe he said, don't go into the village. Because Jesus is now tired of the influence of social media. And he didn't want this event to go viral and destroy his life and, and the movement of the disciples any more than it already was. So he said, do me a favor. Don't consider this any big deal. Just go home. Just go home. Mark is describing Jesus talking and taking the blind man aside, spitting in his eyes, and yet only healing partially. Almost acting like a doctor who's performed the procedure initially and asking, how do you feel? What's improved here? Tell me, tell me what's going on. But I also want to remind you, Jesus is omnipotent. Do you really believe Jesus needed a two-part effort to cure this, and that somehow this was a harder blindness than another blindness? There's a lesson involved. There's something here. Why, why is he doing this? And I want to suggest to you, if you look at the context 
The blind man's healing sits between two points of teaching. So we just have seen a moment ago the Pharisees coming out, and in their blindness, they can't see Jesus for who he is. Give us a sign that we know who you are. You mean raising the dead's not enough? You mean curing a, the, a man born paralyzed isn't enough? You mean feeding 5,000's not enough? Feeding 4,000's not enough? What are you going to do? What's going to prove to you? Their blindness is telling. That blindness influenced the disciples themselves. Oh, he's not trying to teach us anything. We just forgot the food and he's bawling us out. In a moment, he'll say, who do you say that I am? And we'll look at that on Easter Sunday. Who do you say that I am? And Peter will get it right. But yet, how many wrong answers came before they got the right one? And so, juxtaposed between this teaching on blindness, and if you will, this teaching on blindness, is this partial restoration blindness. And I want to suggest to you that's not an accident. They can't see the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They can't see the deity of Jesus Christ. The physical is here as an illustration of the spiritual. And I want to suggest to you that's often how we grow in the Lord, a little improvement at a time. And I want to look at the life of Peter quickly to suggest that to you. You and I have just been through a whirlwind tour of first to Tyre last week, Sidon, now down here as we are feeding the 4,000. He has been in Gentile communities. He has, he has healed the woman's daughter who was possessed by a demon. He healed a mute individual last week. He fed 4,000 in the Gentile community. Let me ask you a question. Should Peter have learned the value of Gentiles by this point? Yes or no? Yeah, he should have. Let's walk for a minute. If I took you to Acts chapter 10 this morning, Peter is now commissioned to go and talk to a Gentile by the name of Cornelius. What did it take for him to get there? It took a vision from God. Hey, I'm sending down this sheet and there's a bunch of animals on it. I want you to eat them all. He said, wait a second, there's unclean animals there. I can't eat those things. He says, if I tell you to eat, you eat. Jesus then communicates to him, telling him the interpretation of the vision. An angel then encourages him to follow three soldiers to go back to Cornelius in Caesarea. Let me ask you a question. Why didn't he learn the lesson a year earlier when Jesus took him to Tyre, Sidon, and fed 4,000? He's relearning the lesson all over again. If I took you to the book of Galatians, Paul is now on the scene, and Paul is preaching. He's mature. He's been leading the church at Antioch. And Paul sits down and 
holds Peter accountable for walking away and not feeding, not eating with the Gentiles. What do you mean you're not eating with the Gentiles? Jesus taught you? Supernatural message taught you? You still haven't learned. Have you ever asked yourself why Peter was the apostle to the Jews and not Paul? Paul was much smarter. Paul was much more able to communicate Jewish ideals and principles than, than Peter ever could have been. But God used Paul to communicate to the Gentiles, and he used Peter to communicate to the Jews. Possibly, Peter never grew comfortable with the place that Jesus had taken him. It was a lifelong pinch point in his life. But here's what I want to assure you. Many of us will have areas that we struggle for all of our lives. Don't you think God used Peter by the time his life was over? He'll use you. He'll use you. And so what I want you to see in this is there are times when you and I will grow and we'll spiritually learn that lesson over and over and over again. These pinch points should cause you and I to reflect on our spiritual lives and then in light of them move forward. God ultimately is using these moments to illustrate that we need to be open and aware of God's work and join Him in kingdom work to recognize that some sins we will continue to struggle with, but know that he will continue to use us in light of our frustrations and struggles. Family, never let life slow us down. Keep our eyes on the person of Jesus Christ. Keep our eyes on the work of Jesus Christ. And keep our behavior unavailability. Family, let's pray. Dear God, I just ask that you'd watch over. Dear God, what a privilege it is to be given the awareness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Dear God, we have been given a, a, a gift without an understanding of the profound value Dear God, it is, a, it is the greatest offering that we could have accepted. And so many times, dear God, we sell it short. We sell a relationship with you short on what we can accomplish in partnership with you, on, on, on questioning whether we understand your work and questioning whether we understand your word Father, on, on recognizing that we let life bring fear or life give us confidence in things that we should never place our trust in. Help us to understand, as, as Jesus taught throughout this passage of Scripture, that only a walk with Him is sufficient for the disciples. Only a walk with Him is sufficient for us. And dear God in heaven, I'd ask that you would be with us, that we remember the connection to and the priority of Jesus Christ in our life. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Community Bible Church. Follow us on Facebook to keep up to date with all our latest content. Thank you.